Okay, all right. There you go. Welcome to New Life, everybody. How many of you guys are excited to be at church today? Mm. Wow. Hey, look, if you're a guest, my name's Jeff. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I'm one of the pastors on staff. You may be worshiping with us here at our Carney campus. Uh, I also need to say hello to everybody worshiping with us at our North Platte campus, as well as everybody that will be worshiping with us online. So uh, welcome, everybody. Glad to have everybody here. Uh, if you are a guest, man, thank you guys so much for coming. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series. This is week one. You haven't missed anything. However, however, the teaching series title is Uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's not maybe the best. The best title for a series, but it's accurate, it's accurate. And there's a lot of things that we're gonna talk about, about being uncomfortable. I'm just gonna be straight up with you and tell you, the church is never designed to make you comfortable. It's designed to make you uncomfortable, and then comes joy. But we're gonna talk a lot about that today. One of the things that's a bit uncomfortable for me, even about our own graphic, is this dude here with his big eyes. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know quite what that guy's over here looking at. This guy doesn't even have eyes. So it's really, that's even uncomfortable for me, just even looking at the graphic, if, if you haven't noticed that yet, okay? Just wanted to point that out. But there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable. Some of them are a bad uncomfortable. Some of them are a good uncomfortable. All right, let's talk about bad uncomfortable first, okay? A rock in your shoe, bad uncomfortable. Anybody with me on that one? A little pebble is what I'm kind of referring to. I'm not talking about like a big stone, like a little pebble it gets in there and then you're walking and it's kind of, you got that kind of weird look and everyone's wondering what's up with you, right? Can I just mention this word in church because it actually is a word, a wedgie. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> Can we just be honest about that? All right. It, 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 it's uncomfortable and it's feeling it's uncomfortable in the way you walk or maybe should I say more waddle, all right, your way uh, out of it. Uh, it. I'll tell you another thing that's uncomfortable. People, someone awkwardly staring at you. That's uncomfortable, right? An awkward staring person, like that guy, <laughs> right? Now, you don't, want, you don't want that guy on the other side of the coffee shop staring at you. You see what I'm saying? Or even, or even in church, knock it off. I don't know who's doing it. I'll tell you another bad uncomfortable, being too hot or being too cold. Both of those are bad uncomfortables. But let me give you one last one. Being smashed in the middle seat on a commercial flight. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you are the size of this guy, you know, coming and sitting down, you're like, I got the aisle seat. Everything's going to be great. And then that dude sits down next to you. Right? And you just know the rest of this three-hour flight is not going to be good. But if you are that size, by the way, I would always pick the middle seat just to see how other people squirm. I mean, you might as well. They're not beating you up. Right? You got it, right? <laughs> so you, you just have fun with people, right? You would, oh, I mean, you build so many great relationships. People will be talking about you all over the United States. But then there are, some, there are some good uncomfortables. Let's talk about those for a minute, okay? Like if you work out and you fatigue your muscles to the point where the next day there's that little bit of pain that comes as your muscle is rebuilding. That, that's actually a good uncomfortable as, as that muscle is regrouping and it's, it's getting what it needs to you know, become stronger than it was before. That's a good uncomfortable. I'll tell you another good uncomfortable. Leading for the first time is a good uncomfortable. 
If you're, if you're not a leader and then all of a sudden you get thrown into a leadership position, that first time of having to tell others, this is what we're going to do, this is what I need you to do, and you're delegating and you're responsible you know, to make sure that the mission gets done and all these other people are accountable to you, that's a good uncomfortable. That will make you a, a better person. How about this one, ladies? Childbirth. Childbirth, a good uncomfortable, right? I heard from the front row, mm, from the loft, woo, you know, so uh, there's a gamut, a gamut of those things, right? I mean, yeah, of course, look, it's a good uncomfortable, and if you're, look, mom, if you're sitting next to your son or your daughter, just reach over, squeeze their leg, give them a hug, look them in the eye, and just tell them, it was all worth it, all right? It was all worth it, all right? Just tell them that, it was all worth it. It's uncomfortable, but here's what you got, right? I mean, come on, it's good. Let me tell you another good uncomfortable, all right, for all of us, meeting, meeting strangers. I mean, think about your best friends that you have now. At one point in your life, they were a stranger, and you had to meet them. We got people, we do a seven-minute party here at the Kearney campus and our Norplatt campus after the service. And there are, I guarantee you, there are people here that are new. You've been here for a while. You may have been here for a year or more, and you haven't come over and said hi to me at the seven-minute party because you're like, we're going to we're gonna have to meet strangers, Right? And there's this anxiety that builds up in you. Right? If you're new or you feel new or you haven't visited me right, and I've never met you, please come to the seven-minute party here at the Carney campus. And Dave would love to meet you at our Norplatt campus as well. But here's one thing I do know about meeting strangers. Did you know that the number one issue that people dislike most about church, and it doesn't matter what the name of the church is, it doesn't matter what the denomination of the church is. The number one thing that people don't like about coming to church is the fact they're going to have to meet strangers, meet people they don't know. It's the number one thing. And they really dislike it when the pastor or someone in the service says, we're going to take the next 30 seconds and you're going to get a chance to meet somebody you've never met before. And they do that little greeting time in the midst of the service. I mean, anxiety comes up in the hearts of people and sweaty palms like start you know, developing. Nobody, it's like the number one thing people don't like in general across church. Is there anybody else like that? Not to say it, right? Just say it quietly on the inside. So because it's the number one thing, and because this series is entitled Uncomfortable, I thought out of integrity we should at least do something that's completely uncomfortable to everybody. So I want you to take 30 seconds, I want you to stand with me, and I want you to find somebody you don't know, and I want you to shake their hand and introduce yourself. Just make it happen. Yeah, there you go. All right, 15 seconds. You got 15. You got 10 seconds. Five, four, Three, two, and one. All right, go ahead and make yourself back, back to your seats. Everybody that didn't like that moment was immediately down at one. To see the people still standing, they love this moment, right? 
And they're like, I will not make my way back to my seat. I got one more person to shake their hand, right? So uh, there's some people that love it. Most people don't like it, but it's uncomfortable. Here, look, breaking news, news flash. The church is a place that's supposed to make you uncomfortable. And there's a good reason for it. But it's supposed to. I want you to think about how the church actually makes you uncomfortable. First, I want you to think with me about the teaching of Jesus. You do realize that a lot of the teaching of Jesus, it kind of makes us uncomfortable. As an example, love your neighbor. Which one? The one to the right or the one to the left? Because I really like the one to the left. Those people on the right. Do I have to call them my neighbor? You see what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's not easy, okay? Love, and then Jesus goes, oh yeah, oh, by the way, if you don't consider him your neighbor, maybe they're your enemy, and I even call you to love your enemy. Yeah. And then he says, look, I want you to pick up your cross and follow me. I want you to love the kingdom of God more than you love your own family. Strive to be the weakest, not the strongest. Be a person of prayer and fasting. Put the kingdom of God first above everything, even your own personal preferences. Have joy when you face persecution. And you must lose your life if you want to find your life. You, you, hear, you hear the rhythm of Jesus? The rhythm of Jesus in his teaching makes us uncomfortable. But then when we obey it and we follow it, it turns into joy. So one of the reasons why the, the church, the local church, is a place that was designed to make you uncomfortable first is because of the teaching of Jesus. And here at New Life, we teach what Jesus taught. We try, we try our best to interpret it correctly and not water it down, but just deliver it, not to berate ourselves with it, but to encourage us to become more like Jesus. But the second reason why the church was designed even to make you uncomfortable is this. It's made up of people and a bunch of imperfect people, by the way. And that's what new life is. New Life is a church of a bunch of imperfect people that are gathering together to worship and to seek after the perfect one, Jesus. When you get a bunch of imperfect people together, I guarantee you, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And so there's gonna be moments when you're gonna rub shoulders with people and with leaders that just don't think the way you think, and that's gonna make you uncomfortable. We're gonna have leaders, and we're gonna have pastors that are gonna make decisions that are different than what you would do. And they're gonna prioritize things differently than the way that you would prioritize things. And they're gonna say no to certain things that you would say yes to. And that's gonna make us uncomfortable. It's all part of the grander scheme. So the teaching of Jesus and the sheer fact that people are involved is what makes this entity called the local church, the hope of the world, a place that first makes us uncomfortable before it ever brings us joy. And the reason for that is because of our stereotypical mindset on what church is. We want it to be a place of comfort. We want the teaching to make us comfortable. We want the people to always treat us the right way with zero conflict, right? We want worship to be the style that we like. We want the ministries of the church to meet every single one of our needs in every single age group of our, of, of our family. And by, and by, you know, last but not least, we want the pastors to somehow be perfect. There's no margin for error in the pastoral role as if, you know, we are Jesus with a, with a lower cast, case J or something. 
That's impossible. It's impossible, but that's the imagery that we have in our minds and we come in to a place like new life with that as the written DNA inside of our heart and we're looking for it. And when the church is uncomfortable then to you, when it doesn't meet those standards, then we decide, well, it's time to maybe go find another church that's more perfect. Let me go find my dream church. Let me go find the perfect church. And you, you look down the road and you say, this church or that church in town or in this other town, that's the perfect church. And then you make the transition to it, striving for the perfect dream church, only to discover after the honeymoon period's over, that church isn't perfect either. And that everywhere you go, there you are. But we never take time to look into the mirror and say, maybe we're not perfect. And that, you know, the grass always looks greener on the other side until you get there and then you realize it's just as hard to grow green grass on the other side of the fence as it was on your side of the fence. And we're deceived and we're, we're wrapped up in this misguided, you know, desire or quest to find the perfect church utopia. Here's the truth. The perfect church just doesn't exist. And you're not sitting in it either. The perfect church doesn't exist on planet Earth. But we have a challenge. And this is what we're going to be striving for all during this series. It's to discover that we have to be more spiritually mature. We have to grow in our spiritual maturity and we have to embrace the church that God gave us, though. What does that mean? What does that look like? It means you got to plant yourself. And you got to let the roots of your life go deep with a bunch of people that are gonna end up hurting you, with leaders that are gonna make decisions you don't like, but take your roots and go deep with them by getting involved in ministry teams, by being a part of a life group and really being in true biblical community with others, and by being at church on a regular Sunday basis, rubbing shoulders with imperfect people who are striving to worship the perfect one, Jesus. Let me tell you what else, what else spiritual maturity looks like when it comes to embracing the church that God gave us. It's to forgive quickly and to resolve conflict quickly and to somehow overlook each other's faults. And here's one of the ways we do that, by assuming the best in each other before we ever assume the worst, especially when you have no details. Like that's the kind of people that we have to be if we're going to be spiritually mature and embrace the church God gave us. But lastly, and this is just like a short list because we'll get into more of it throughout the month as we talk about this topic. But lastly, we have to be willing to change with the changes. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to be life-giving in a church when a church changes and you're like, I will not be moved. It's impossible. Like you, you just became part of the problem. So no matter what church it is, that this is the church God's called you to when, when there's as change happens, we embrace that. We go with it, right? Unless we go, look, that's unbiblical. And when we find something that's unbiblical, it's a whole different playing field. And I understand that. And that's not what I'm telling you. I'm not saying overlook when, when leaders are not being biblical. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying to overlook, you know, one another's, um, you know, unbiblical lifestyle. I'm just saying the way we love each other and the way we deal with that and the way we treat each other will determine our spiritual maturity. Because guys, there's no dream church. You've got your dream church up here. You got your dream church right here. But that church doesn't exist anywhere on planet Earth. 
Your dream church is a fallacy, just like my dream church is a fallacy. It just doesn't exist anywhere. There's no one place on earth that has every single thing exactly the way even I would want it. And I'm the lead pastor of this church. So to help us grasp that a little bit, I thought, let's just do a little exercise about what your dream church would look like based on some of the most common issues that people you know, disagree on when it comes to their dream church. And let's do a little vote. And when we vote, I'm gonna put up a screen. It's gonna have three answers on it. Each answer is gonna have a one, two, or three next to it. And I want you to vote. I want you to hold up your finger based on the answer you like the best. And keep it up, by the way. Because what you're going to discover, husbands and wives, you're not even gonna agree on the same dream church. And you're gonna have your friends and you're, you're, go, you're gonna be at different places, okay? So let's just have some fun with this for a second. Let me kind of walk us through the first one. Here's how it's gonna work. Worship style. Do you like worship style, like we just had a minute ago, to be more traditional, more contemporary, or out on the cutting edge? Which one do you like? Come on, put your fingers up, just hold it up. Take a look at the people next to you, all right? Just kind of see, right? I got. All right, very good, very good. All right, that's good. All right, let's try another one. Let's try another one. That's your dream church. This is your dream church. Worship volume, quiet, quiet, medium, or loud? All right, who wants it? All right, all right. So this is the dream church. I'm voting right now, by the way. Just so you know. Okay, here we go. All right, this is our dream church. So far, so far as couples, how many guys like have already disagreed on at least one of them already? Yep. I knew you would, I knew you would. Let's go, okay, this is auditorium worship lighting. This is not lighting during the sermon time. This is lighting during the worship time. Do you like it bright? All the lights up, all the way. Do you like it medium or do you like it dark? Which one do you like? Okay, all right, see, there we go. All right, you got it? You got it kind of looking at each other? You see what you got, right? I think I just saw somebody over here look at their wife before they put their hand up. Smart. <laughs> Smart, but wasn't the exercise. Let's, let's go to the next one. How about the service length? You want it to be an hour, an hour and 15, or an hour and 30? Which one do you like? Oh, man. We're like almost, there's so much agreement in here. So much. Everybody, most people have ones up. One guy, one guy right here in the middle had three up. I saw that. I saw that. All right. All right. Here we go. Preaching style, you want it to be more like a college classroom, um, more conversational, or more like Southern Baptist revival style? This is dreaming it up. Which one do you like? What? <laughs> I got to change my preaching style. What in the world? All right. Yeah, that, that's your dream church. All right. There you go. That's yours. Okay. Here's the last one. How about the look of the facility? You like a classic, like with um, stained glass and steeples and those kind of things, or contemporary where you're not even sure when you drive by if it is a church, right? Or, or this is the easiest answer. Try not to go with blended, all right? So which one, which one do you like? One, two, or three? Which one? Okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what? Someone's laughing. Oh, I got some knucklehead in the front rows like this. A knucklehead. I call him friend, though. All right. I do call him friend. And he's like, I don't care. Okay, so maybe you don't care. Okay. There you go. So your dream, that's your dream church. That, that is your dream church. Can, let me just, as I was putting this message together, let me just say that um, a thought hit me this week. 
that I felt was fairly profound. And the thought, the thought is this about your dream church. Okay, never settle for a church that's closest to your liking. I think, I think when we're looking for a church to belong to, one of the things that we just get into this rut and we're just like, well, that church is, it's close to what we like. It's got all these things, but you know, it's got these five things we really like, but it's got these three things we don't like. And as we've looked at churches, that's the closest to what we really like. So let's settle for that one. Here's the problem with it. When you settle for something and you've identified the things that you liked and the things you didn't like, here's what will happen over time. This is what will happen. You'll forget about the things you like and the three things you don't like will haunt you. And they'll just come back and they'll eat at you and you'll be critical about it. And some of you won't even be able to ever get over those three things. And you'll always want those three things to change to your dream church. As if everything that happens, let's put it at New Life, as if everything that happens at New Life should be just about you and your dream church. I think we just discovered that we're not on the same page when it comes to our dream church. But yet God is the one who's called us here. So never settle for, because if you do, you'll end up becoming critical. But embrace, always embrace the church that God's led you to. And then plant yourself, like we talked about earlier, and let the roots go deep. That's the healthiest way to do it because you'll never find the dream church. So just embrace where God has you like new life right now and then take your roots and go deep with them so that when the uncomfortable moments come and they will come, the roots of relationship, the roots of commitment, the roots of involvement will hold you through the storm of the uncomfortable. So never settle always embrace. And here's the reason why. Because church is not about your preferences. It's about knowing God. That's what we're here to do. It's not about our preferences. It's about knowing God. And the main purpose of the local church is to help the community know and to see Jesus. But the enemy wants to do everything in his power to get you and to get me to focus on our preferences instead of focusing on Jesus. And Peter does a great job of challenging the early church who's going through persecution and struggles and trials. He challenges the local church to keep its eyes on Jesus above everything else, above its preferences, quarrels, desires. He focuses the local church just like we're going to read. And he says, focus all of your attention on being more like Jesus, period. Here's how he says it. First Peter 2. We're going to read verses 4 and 5, and then we're going to jump to verse 9. I'll tell you when that happens. So he says this to the local church, like you and me today. You're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Right? He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. But through the, through the mediation of Jesus Christ... You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Verse 9. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. That's good news. Amen? It is. It's good news. But here, here's the point. Jesus is the living cornerstone. And then we, he says, are living stones that God is building into the spiritual temple. So I want you to think about it. You know, the cornerstone 
is an iconic stone. It is a stone that says this is where the building starts and it goes out from here. Right? In, in tradition, the cornerstone might have engraving on it. It's, it's significant to the meaning even of the building. It's very purposeful in its position. It's very thought out in its design. The cornerstone is everything that it start, the building starts from. And in essence, Peter's saying Jesus is that in Christianity. He is that in all of the universe. He is the cornerstone. Everything starts from him and it goes out from him. But then he says these words. But you as well are living stones. If Jesus is the cornerstone, then you and me become like bricks. And each of us is a brick that's being used to build the spiritual temple, which a part of the spiritual temple is the local church and its mission in the world. And Peter, he goes on, he's telling us that our primary focus then, if we're going to be a living stone, is to be more like Jesus. That's what I love about the words. He calls Jesus the living stone and he calls you the living stone. There's no way that you can become a living stone unless our full attention is on Jesus. There's no way for the spiritual temple to give life to Kearney and North Platte and other communities in Nebraska unless we are diligently focused and determined to keep our attention not on our preferences, but on becoming the living stone that Jesus called us to. And then Peter challenges us to keep our eyes on Jesus above all things. And he even says these words. He goes, look, I want you to know this. Jesus was rejected by people. He was rejected by people. So if, if you and me are going to become more like Christ in the way we think and we live and we love, if Jesus was rejected by people, which is not comfortable, it's uncomfortable, then we just have to embrace the discomfort of knowing that to become more like Jesus, we're gonna walk through some very uncomfortable moments. But Peter doesn't give us room to focus on our preferences and our desires and our likes. He says, look, you have a mission to accomplish. And if you don't keep your eyes focused on Jesus, then you can't accomplish the mission. And this was the mission, to show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. The mission for us, the mission is to show others the goodness of God. But when our focus is wrong, guys, we'll never accomplish the mission that God has for us. We'll never do it. It's like having blurry vision in your eyes. And since this is Super Bowl Sunday, if a wide receiver goes out for a pass and the quarterback throws the ball and he's got blurry vision, he's not catching that ball. He could be wide open, he's missing the ball because he's gonna see three of them, right? The same thing when you're driving. If you're driving and you got blurry vision, you can't see the road. You're like a missile ready to cause damage, right? If you're a soldier, it's, it's hard. It's hard for a soldier to kill the enemy if he has blurry vision and he doesn't know, you know where the enemy's at. And the same thing is true for a Christian it's hard for a Christian, a Christ-centered follower, to complete the mission God has for us, to show others the, good, the goodness of God if we've got blurry spiritual vision. So if we don't adjust our focus from my preferences to God's mission, then we're never going to be fully committed to the local church and we're never going to accomplish what God calls us to. And the reason why we won't do it is because we're gonna look at the local church and go, it's not perfect, my preferences. Charles Spurgeon, though, a great, a great minister from the mid-1800s. I'm reading a book about him right now, actually. 
So he's still impacting, you know, our culture today, and he's still impacting people like me today. But from the mid-1800s, Charles Spurgeon made a profound statement about this very thing we're talking about, about finding, trying to find the perfect church. Now remember, this is in the mid-1800s. Listen to what he said. He said, if I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Any of you feel that way? Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should, as speedily as possible, give themselves to the Lord's people. As I have already said, the church is faulty, but that is no excuse for your not joining it if you belong to the Lord. That was back in the mid-1800s. So you might be thinking, look, the church is just more corrupt today and things are falling apart. I'm telling you, he was facing the same stuff back then. And he recognized, look, the local church is not a perfect place. And if that's what you're searching for, you're never going to find one. So guys, here's my challenge to you. Ask God to change your focus from that consumerism, my preference mentality. Do that today. Ask God to forgive you of seeking that self-preferences attitude over his eternal mission. And I want to invite you as the lead pastor to go all in here at New Life with us. I do have to admit, we're an imperfect church with imperfect people and an imperfect pastor. So you're going to have to be able to lower yourself to our level. (laughs) But if you can do that, I'm inviting you to go all in with us, right? Because we're just a church that we're trying to keep our eyes on Jesus and trying to become more and more like him, the living stone. That's what we want to do. And we want to accomplish the mission God has for us to show others the good news. And to do that, we need every one of you. And we got it. We have to double in size, triple in size, quadruple in size if we're going to accomplish the mission of showing others the goodness of God. So we're going to have to lay down our preferences and embrace the discomfort called the local church and just say, look, we're all in. And I want to invite you to do that with me. But let me, let me end with this. The Christian life, guys... Just plain and simple. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. And my my challenge to you is this. So just embrace it. Following Jesus is never, never was and never is going to be some golden ticket, right, to some white picket fence, the American dream of the local church. But it is an invitation to come and die. It's It's an invitation to come and pick up your cross. It's an invitation to go all in and be radical in your following of Jesus. And here's how Jesus said it. In John chapter 12, he said, those who love their life in this world are going to lose it. But those who care nothing for their life in this world, they'll keep it for eternity. You hang on to your preferences, attitude of the dream church, that's living life for you. You're going to lose it. You give that up and you surrender and you say, God, there is no perfect church, but I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to be a part of this imperfect church called New Life. And I'm going to go all in. Right? You do that, then you're going to find your life. So following Jesus is going to just simply be this, one uncomfortable moment that leads to joy after another. That's what the journey with Christ is. Uncomfortable, I heard a teaching like today, it grinds against me a little bit, it challenges my thinking, I wrestle with it, I embrace it, it leads me to joy, it leads me to life. And then guess what, all of a sudden here comes another one and another one. 
I'm going to tell you this, that the Jesus-centered life is a journey of one sacrifice after another sacrifice after another sacrifice. All the way until you learn to give God more and more of your life until one day you have given him your all. C.S. Lewis, Christian author, he, he wrote about that very thing when he said this. He said, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of beer would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. My, my challenge to you today is just to embrace Jesus and the uncomfortable challenges that come with following him. That's my challenge to you today. My challenge to you today is to lay down your dream church and to embrace what God gave you. My challenge for you today is to stop trying to find fault in your Christian community. Stop it. Knock it off. Don't let that kind of wickedness stir in your heart. Stop trying to find fault in your Christian community and embrace where God has you so that you can be a part of the solutions in helping us you know, spread the good news of Jesus to our community, which is the mission of the local church. But I do challenge you to embrace the discomfort that comes with the local church and give yourself completely to the awkwardness of it and just die to it and just go, Jesus, this is where you called me. I'm all in. So church, here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna do the one thing that we're called to do. If we're gonna become like living stones, we have to worship the living stone, right? And that's what we're gonna do. This is our first bold move in this uncomfortable journey is that we're just gonna say, God, I'm all in, okay? I'm all in with you. I'm gonna embrace what you gave me. I'm gonna maximize what you gave me. And I'm going to worship the, the, the living stone, capital living stone, so that my little brick, the living stone, can be a part of this thing called the local church so that it can accomplish its mission to seek and save the lost and so that everybody in Kearney and North Platte and other communities of Nebraska can wake up tomorrow with a life-transforming relationship with Jesus and spend eternity with him. That's what we're here to do. So why don't you guys stand with me and why don't you join me as we pray. So Lord, we surrender. We surrender to you. Lord, we lay down our personal preference to seek your eternal mission. Um, we lay those things down. Lord, we, we lay down um, the seeking to find the, the critical so that we can just embrace what you're doing. Lord, we lay down our personal preference. Forgive us, God. Forgive me. Forgive me, God, for just all my personal preferences. Um, instead of just embracing what you've given us and just loving each other through change and getting to where, God, you really want this, this church to continue to be. Lord, where we are now is definitely not where we're going to end. Um, as long as there's life, there's going to be change. As long as there's you know, uh, time on this earth to share the good news of Jesus, the church is going to continue to become everything you want it to be. So we just embrace you, Jesus. We, we admit, Lord, that you are the capital L living stone, the cornerstone Lord, we just want to be a brick. We just want to be a brick in the, in, the structure, in the structure of your local church that's a part of bringing life. That's what we want to do. That's who we are. So Jesus, we come to worship you. We lay our lives down. We lay it down at your feet. And we ask you, Jesus, to have your way. Your word says where two or more are gathered, you are here in the midst of them. When we gather in the name of Jesus, the unification of the name of Jesus. So we gather in the name of Jesus. May you have your way here and may your will be done in Jesus' name. And everybody said with me, amen.